there, folks. My name is Emily. And I'm Elle. And this is Oh My Word, a podcast where we discuss books, movies, musicals, TV shows, etc. And give you an idea of the content contained therein so that you can be a more informed consumer. Exactly. And for that, to, to assist you on your journey of information, we have devised our highly technical... You know, it's so hard to explain, but we'll try. We'll try to explain what our pearl clutching system is all about. So violence, language, and romance get ratings between zero to four. Zero being the good rating, because that means no clear, no pearls were clutched in the viewing or reading of this book slash entertainment. And uh, four being not great, because all the pearls were clutched. And that's and they weren't they were clutched from clutchingness, not from excitement or joy. Not from joyful excitement but from getting excited in a negative kind of way. Correct. You know what? I used to distill the very complex system down to that one, those few right, lines. Right, you did your best. Think... It was a pretty good job. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. Okay, good. <laughs> Otherwise, there'd be a lot of formulas and scientific jargon, and people would be very confused, and they probably wouldn't listen to us anymore. Yeah, and that would just not be... What would we, what would we do? We'd have to just be back just talking to each other in the basement as usual. Uh-oh. We don't want that. Nobody wants that. Yeah. So just us alone in our in our in our bunker basement. Speaking of a bunker basement, <laughs> that has nothing to do with anything with what we're speaking about. I'm like, sure there were bunkers that existed at the time that this existed, but that is totally a terrible, horrific segue. <laughs> yeah. But we shall use it all the same. Now we're actually speaking about, if I can even pronounce this correctly. The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Society, but we're speaking about the Netflix film adaptation, not the book. It's based on the book of the same name by Marianne Schaefer and Annie Barrows, and the film came out in 2018. It's starring Lily James. We spoke about Lily James a little bit when we spoke about Cinderella, the live action. Mm -hmm. So you may refer back to that. There's a bunch of other characters in there also, and I'm trying to figure out because the fiance character looks so familiar to me, and I can't. It's terrible. You know when you're like, oh, who does your, who's that guy in again? Oh, who's that guy yeah. in again? Who's that guy again? He is funny because he sounds, so it, it's said in England. Right. And he, but he's American. And he sounds so American yeah. that I assumed it had to be a fake accent. But I looked him up and he's actually born in Texas. But maybe that. it's. So maybe it's just, it was so jarring hearing his accent next to all the British accent, which is why it sounded more American, but it sounded, yeah, it really sounded fake. It was it's funny. true. Cause it, it almost feels like he's like really leaning into it, like playing it. Up yeah. Like, unless he just did that for his I mean, maybe he like, was. Yeah. yeah, it could be. So the, the synopsis that, that we have is that the, in the aftermath of World War II, a writer forms an unexpected bond with the residents of Guernsey Island, where she decides to write a book about their experiences during the war. So the island is a little bit off of. Uh, the coast of England, I guess. Well, I don't know, it's the coast of England, but, but it's English. And mm-hmm. um, it's also because she starts, she's first exchanging letters with somebody who's part of the literary society. I guess from the book that she came out with, that her just came out, she was supposed to have this whole book that just came out. And then mm-hmm. eventually she goes to visit them and she sees the person she was exchanging letters with, actually a young man. And the literary society is like a hodgepodge of people, some older people, like of different age ranges, different different backstories, it's just that they all were brought together during the war through books. And then, let's see. So violence is a 1.5. Language is one. Romance is a one. Good job for keeping such low ratings. Good job, Guernsey Very Literary Potato Peel Society. Netflix. That's an anomaly. This is atypical for Netflix. True. <laughs> to, 
especially because it's an adult romance. And a lot of times, even though like and then it's taking place, you get in the 1950s when people had like more sensitive sensibilities, which some did and some didn't, but it doesn't. Good job. Good job. There is, there is, I think, a slight reference to um, her editor or publisher, I think, talks about, I think he's officially gay, but it's not, the romance is really not, even though it is, but it's like not. I know. There's some kissing, that- there's a love triangle, violence. The only violence that occurs is when we see flashbacks to the war, right? Sort of some of the mm-hmm. bombing. And even then it's not too bad, but yeah. there is a flashback and they show like the aftermath of a bombing and everyone's in a hospital and like people are bleeding. So it's, you know, it's. Yeah, and the prisoners and things like that. And then you have mm-hmm. language. There's some specifically British uh, swear Like, not swear words, but I guess some British, like, language. But it's not, it's not, none of it's overdone. None of it's particularly jarring. Like, when they say bloody heck, you know. Right. That's technically cursing. But since we don't really use it here, and I think it, I think bloody sounds pretty tame. <laughs> to American ears like you know it's a an exclamation of you know upset of being upset but it's like darn it, like to me it sounds about as bad as darn you know yeah um interesting just little note on the romance and that I'd love your thoughts on this so she does mention that her publisher is gay in a very roundabout way to her newfound friend and I was wondering about it because in those days, because this is 1946, and we know this because there's that the imitation game, right, about Alan. Oh, yeah. And he goes to jail for being gay, and it's the same time period. And I'm just wondering, knowing that someone could go to jail, I, I don't know that you would be so cavalier about sharing that. Whether or not you personally were okay with it, I wonder if you would just tell a random stranger, oh, yeah, my publisher's gay. Like, knowing that that's a jailable offense? I think it was the acting on the gay that got him in jail. And I don't know, I once looked up part of the historical accuracy of the imitation game. Um, And I think Mm -hmm. some of that, whatever occurred to him, like, the accuracy is a little bit, some of it was a little bit cinematically done. But it is true that in those days it was not well looked upon. And you're right, I I don't think saying, oh, that guy's gay puts someone in jail. I think it's that they catch... If they would catch them with someone, um, or they no, it, 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 I don't think. Yeah. S- no, you're right. Saying it wouldn't make it happen, but I'm still wondering, like you wouldn't be like tell a friend, "Oh yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. my friend's a thief." Like even if right. they're not going to go, they might not have proof that your friend's a thief, but you're not going to like share information about your friend being a criminal. Even if you don't care about the criminality of it, you probably wouldn't want you know the risk. So I don't, I just thought that was. Like, they, yeah. they needed to let us know that he was gay, so it had to come up that way. But I thought, I don't know if I would share that. Well, he shares it. I don't know. That he was- shares it also. Or they or it's kind of like an understood between him. And I don't know, maybe they did that partially also, so she'd be like, why is there no... I don't know. Yeah. And I don't know enough about it to comment on it, but it does seem like... Yeah. I don't know. There's questions on that. But I have another question on the romance. Here's the other question on the romance. Oh, yeah. Obviously... She goes, and then it's the whole love story because she falls. She realizes that the guy who she's been exchanging letters with is a young man, an eligible young bachelor. Okay, <laughs> and, but she's already engaged, right? She's got the American guy, Marcus, her fiance, and um, what's his name? Dossie, Dossie, Adam, Do- something. Dossie, yeah. Dossie is the guy that you know. Blah blah. They have strong feelings for each other, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
actually, they don't specifically do anything, which is also different because usually nowadays films like, oh, if we have so much feeling for each other, we have to end up in bed together. That, that doesn't happen. Right. Because right? she's, even though she's, you know, kind of hides the ring or whatever, but they don't, but Mark does not come across as a not good guy. Like they don't specifically, a lot of times when you have this, like um, mm. the love triangle, they turn one of the guys has to turn into a jerk. Right. Right. Do you speak about that with the Phantom of the Opera, Love Never Dies? Whatever. So they, they always turn one of the guys has to be so that way you can root against him and you go on her to go, you know, you go on the girl to go for the other guy. But here, Mark, you might say, oh, he's overbearing, he's this, that, whatever, but he doesn't really, it's not specifically evident that he's like over, if he's overbearing or controlling or anything. It seems no. like he really like loves her and like values her and like he gives her like a big ring. So, you know, the fact that she ends up with the other guy, find, like, you know, tell your story, whatever it's going to be. But it's almost like, are we supposed to be rooting for this? Because, and it's not even like, oh, look, Mark, I decided I don't want a life in the States. I have to stay in England. He's like, look, I can't live in England. You know, so it's not like they break up about like geographic reasons. It's just like, mm-hmm. did you ever love me? Well, I loved our time together. Well, you're, you're not a nice person now. <laughs> like you thought you loved him, but like now I really don't love him because now I see what love is or whatever. Like. So you were using him or like you didn't know you were using him. So she's really innocent. I don't know. I'm probably overanalyzing it because like love <laughs> stories aren't really my thing. But there is a question, right? When two guys, they're both nice guys. Like, right. It's like one was not really like when she finds Dossie, she realizes that Mark was nice, but wasn't really the right person. Right. And it could be, but. I mean, like, I guess it's not a, like, I guess we could feel for Mark. Like, no one says that we have to not like Mark, I guess. Right. So no, I, I guess, think, I, yeah. yeah, we can still feel bad for him, but still want her. Well, I didn't want her to end up with Dossie. I wanted her to, like, find some other sort of relationship with the people in Guernsey and stay with Mark, even though I knew that was never going to happen. <laughs> you know, it's all predictable in that sense. But that's a good, but maybe that's better, because maybe that's a little bit, I don't want to say more realistic, but I'm sure that happens that sometimes you are caught between two people and it's not that one person is a villain and he's controlling or a jerk or whatever. It's just like the notebook. That's what it's like. The notebook. I've never seen the notebook, but I'll take your word for it. There is because the other guy she's with and before she goes back to the uh, who is it? Ryan Gosling character is not is also like a good guy. Uh, The notebook is like that. So like she chooses to go back to him, but it's not necessarily. Ah, there you go. Okay, anyways, going, going back for a second. So, two, a few things to say about this story. Mm-hmm. One is that, and this is a side note and not any judging or condemnation, but there is so much World War II historical fiction today. It's like, it's, it's like an oversaturation of the marketplace. So, I guess people mm-hmm. keep publishing it because people keep buying it, right? And it's not a bad thing for there to be a lot of World War II stuff, but... A lot of it is specifically female. Oh, we spoke about this a few episodes ago. A lot of it is specifically female-led World War II stuff. And, you know, which is fine also because the woman did a lot, especially in England. The woman, in America too, but in England, the woman really played a large role. Because, like, the whole place was being bombed. They needed the woman there. Right. right? A lot of them were doing, they were filling in for men in factories, which, what that led to is a whole separate thing. Like, we were saying, like, if you look at the covers of all these World War II historical fiction, it's all basically the same cover. It's always the back of one woman, two women, three women, and like they're just standing in like either it's a blue cover or a purple cover or whatever. Or there's so airplanes the in the background or bombs yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. So on the one end, as long as people are buying it or as long as that's what the writer, I should, it's not even that. As long as people want to write it, I'm happy for them to write it and write it as long as it's not to the exclusion of other historical fiction. Right. right? So no, write as much as you want, especially World War II is a, is a time that's 
it's still so close to us, you know, in, in that way. And we don't want people to just look over it because that was one right. like World War II. I'm like, it's a, it's not the only, there are many, many not great things that happened in the world. So we don't want to gloss over any of it. But at the same time, it's like, please allow further historical fiction. But the biggest thing is, I, I, it seems like because of it, you know, writers, writers are now looking for new angles. It seems like there's like a lot of romance stories are getting into it. Mm. And sometimes it's not like always great because, for example, in this one, you have the Litter and Potato Peel Society, right? All these people were, were sneaking out of curfew. The Germans are taking over the island. They're sneaking out of curfew, you know, to meet with each other and bond over books and find some sort of like light and solace within the war, which, yeah, that probably, you know, that's a real thing. But then when one of the people who's, she's supposed to be fierce and everyone loved her and independent, right? That she falls in love with like a British soldier. Oh, spoilers! A German Spoiler soldier. A German soldier. Yeah, not a British soldier. A German soldier. And like, they're kind of mad at her about it, but we're supposed to be like, no, because love tri- triumphs over all. Like, no. No. Like that <laughs> German soldier is going to go kill British people. It's not like he was going to defect from the army or something, you know? And it's like the Germans are the one bombing. And this is, this is a, a thing indicative of wartime because like you have films that had to come out, like um, Sayonara had to come out because a lot of people be, be, that it opened up the, it paved the way for, for marriages between um, like Japanese and uh, Korean because it's so close to the war and people were like, no, we will not look at a Japanese person. You know, even if they're an American Japanese, we won't look at them. And like Sayonara was a film that actually really affected uh, marriages after that because it showed like it's okay to fall in love with like a Japanese. Even though the Japanese person is also like the Americans bond me, right? So it's both sides. But this is like a thing that like, this is 1946. Okay. And she falls in love with the German soldier during the war. Like during the war. During the war. While they're no, being occupied no, by the Germans. Yeah. No. Like that he's part of the occupying force. Yeah. The occupying force. And we know what the Germans did. And they were... They were decimating London and, and all that kind of stuff. Like, that's not something I'm going to get on board with. Like, now that's also a personal thing. Maybe someone else loves it and think it's so beautiful when you have the opposing forces falling in love. But it's not like their love was going to... It's not like it was like the, uh, you know, the Chancellor's kid was going to, like, change everything by falling in love with, with the enemy. You know? It's like, this guy is going to turn around and he's going to have to shoot someone who's your people. I don't know that I can... And then also, there's un... There's a child out of wedlock, <laughs> which oh, is not yes. good for pearl clutching this. That's true. Forgot about that part. Maybe we should bump that. Right. So, yeah, obviously the child should be cared for and loved and not felt like, oh, you're mixed, blah, 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 whatever. You know, that's, and they do, they, they do. They, they're they all, the literary society is all there for raising the child and whatever, which is great. Um, but it's like, I'm not. But when the people, they're mad at her at first for falling in love with this German and then when they find out later the repercussions of it and the woman who it's not her mother but it's like she acts like her mother and she apologizes she's like it was my fault i shouldn't have been mad at her i'm like it's if you were mad at someone in the middle of world war 2 for falling in love with a german you're not a bad person like it's right. totally reasonable that you were upset by her association that's a yeah. very reasonable stance to have taken even if like you you know once it's 1946 you know and it's two civilians like there's a different scenario but in the middle of the occupation you're mad that she's sleeping with the enemy that's that's a that's reasonable yeah i mean you don't have to give her a scarlet a that's okay if you don't give the scarlet letter right you know that's it did we don't have to go that far because a lot of those a lot of things like that happen like oh you stop you know the things like that but yeah it's okay. Now, here's the other... It doesn't have to be one extreme or the other. 
Right. Here's the last thing. The last at the end, and this is something, okay, not a spoiler, but this is something that I see is sort of like part of this trend, probably part of like a word, like strong female character sort of trend. When she, okay, she decides to go back, blah, blah, whatever, and she decides to declare her love for Dossie, whatever, she proposes to him instead of like him proposing to her. So it's like, you see it also, it's, it, I see it a lot in YA where the girl, where it's obvious that you have the love interest, the girl and the guy, and the girl, the girl does the first kiss. Right, it's the big, big first kiss moment. Oh my god, I can finally kiss each other. But whatever, the girl's the one who takes action, right? She gets it in before the guy gets it in, in a way. And it's like I, I don't think the stuff is being done on, like accidentally. I think some of this is it's a very purposeful thing to write that she, you know, that she kissed him first, or mm-hmm. to write that she's the one who proposed to him, right? And I, I think a lot of people will disagree with this, but I don't think it's necessarily a good thing because. You know, where men could be men in a in a healthy way, we should let them be the men in a healthy way. Like, let him let him do the first kiss. You know, let him be the one to propose. It's okay. Like, I'm not going to think of her as a lesser character because, if anything, I think of him as lesser because, like, why didn't you propose? Like, this is... You have one job. <laughs> yeah. You have one job. You will propose and you will take care of her and you will respect her and you will treat her... You will put her up on a pedestal and you will respect her above everybody else. You know, and love her and take care of her. Like, let him yeah. have his one job, but don't take this away from him also, you know? I I do. In fact, my view of the whole proposal situation is that the person who is proposed to is the one with the power, not the one who proposes. The one who proposes is completely vulnerable and asking, like, the biggest question ever and leaving the power to make that decision in someone else's hands. So... The person who's being proposed to is the one with the power, not the one who's proposing. Because I can say, hey, will you marry me? But now the power is yours. Yes or no. It's not because I can't force you to marry me. So I've given up completely my power when I propose. So in fact, by making her be the one who proposes, it's not. I mean, yes, it's a position of I'm making a choice and I'm not waiting around for you. But you still have to wait because he might say no. Yeah, I guess that's true. I think that's, that's, that's true, too. Yeah. I don't know. I just, it also, like, I didn't feel like it was needed. Mm. You know, it was almost like, let him say it because we already know how you feel. You wrote the manuscript, you, whatever, you know, you showed. Right. Let's see how he feels. Yeah. I will, just one thing, um, well, not unrelated to the movie, but unrelated to that topic. Um, Because you were talking about various, like varying the type of historical fiction, how there's so much World War II Oh, yeah. Historical fiction, which I agree was not a bad thing, but it is interesting how much there is. However, I did actually learn something because I had no idea that Germans occupied any part of England. I mean, this is an island, and I looked it up on the map, and it's actually closer to France than it is to England. Mm -hmm. Nonetheless, I had no idea that the Germans were, you know, I know they, they bombed the mainland, but I didn't realize that they actually had taken over any British holding. So that was, that was an interesting historical fact. Yeah, that's true. So I guess that does help. Like if you have so many different perspectives from the war, you could show, cause I mean, like, there's, there's millions of stories technically, cause there's millions of people who live, right? Exactly. So millions of stories to tell. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't mind the saturation of it. I just, I only mind if it excludes other stuff. Right. That's all. Yeah. Because I don't, cause sometimes it's just like the publishers want to do what's working and there's no mm. reason, like, you're not like, oh, look, this sells, so let's not sell it anymore. Like, that's just not good business. 
Right. Right. But it's also like, just as long as it doesn't keep you from taking chances on other stuff, you know. Makes sense. If it's a good book, even if it just seems to be different, I would like to think that it will be read. And I could be wrong about that, but a lot of writers I speak to and a lot of people I speak to, they are open to reading something that's good, even if it's something different. You know, mm. oh, I'm always comfortable in this genre, but I'll try something else out if you can assure me that it's a good book. Some people don't want it. They want their genre, their type, their whatever. And that's fine. Mm. That's the point. We're, there's a lot of different kinds of people. So it's good right. for us to be able to, to give to both. That's all. But hey, look, we had it's even we don't know what the book is like. So we don't know how much detail, more or less detail the book goes into. We do right. know that from the film version of it, it's relatively clean, sort of predictable, kind of cute. And one of and the best titles ever. Yeah, it's also one of like the longest titles ever. It's like, how many more words can we put into this? It's not, I guess you could say like, it's a nice story. Like it's a nice, if you always want to, if you yeah. just want to have something that's got like a little bit of an emotional pull, a little bit of like the interesting pull to it. Heartwarming, historical fiction. Exactly it. And it's so hard to find things on Netflix sometimes to watch because you're just like scrolling, 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 and then you could take more time looking than watching. So we've given you something now so you can watch and stop your scrolling for a minute. Yes, you're welcome. Also, now that we spoke about heartwarming things, I feel like we have to do something to ice up my heart again because too many emotions is just, mm. it doesn't, it's, it's, it becomes, there's a chemical reaction that occurs. So, well, I'll make you a potato peel pie because apparently it's disgusting. So <laughs> yeah, then I'll do it. And then help. we can get mad at, at this for introducing us to potato peel pie. So, excellent, excellent. Perfect. <laughs> so, we have our marching orders, appropriate war war connection you see their marching orders military anyway and uh so i guess that's it for us folks thanks so much for listening we'll catch you next time cheers everyone we hope you enjoyed this week's episode of oh my word podcast make sure you're subscribed so you always get the latest episode and please leave us a rating and a review and please share the show with your friends also follow us on instagram at oh my word podcast there we post episode updates our ratings for each book and also our personal reading recommendations Music for the show is by Tim Burke. Editor is Emily Yaffe. We'll see you next week.